0: Um, okay, so before we begin, we can just talk about, um, remind me how to pronounce the... She-V-E-S. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. I might have to ask you
1: how to pronounce it again.
0: Yeah. That's but... fine. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back. I'm your host, Brianna. We don't have Sarah with us today, unfortunately, but today I'm joined by Father Michael Zimmerman on this surprise snow day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, driving over was an adventure in the middle of April.
0: Yeah, here in Boston, unexpected weather.
1: Yep, yeah, it's uh, our second winter, our third winter. We might have one more yet, who knows. One more. <laughs> Last year we had snow in May, so we'll see what happens.
0: Do we typically get like a surprise uh, snow day?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, every, it's not infrequent, we'll just say that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So why don't we start out a little bit with, um, you talking about your, your background and your vocation story and how that started for you. So maybe we can start with, um, your childhood, what that looks like, your home. Hmm. Um, were you raised Catholic?
1: Yeah. So I, I was raised Catholic. Um, my mom is Irish Polish background. Oh, descent, okay. So we went to Sunday mass and Catholic schools. Um, but my dad, he's, uh, actually, comes from a Mennonite background, which oh, wow. is kind of almost like Amish, but he's from Pennsylvania. Um, came from a religious family, but he's not really practicing himself. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I was raised Catholic, altar served and all that. Um, but it wasn't really until high school when I kind of became, I guess, more invested in my faith and kind of mm-hmm. had some conversion type experiences that... Maybe say like, okay, this is this is important. This matters. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: So, were you raised here in Boston? Or? I was. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up
1: in Needham, at uh, okay. St. Joseph's Parish. Went to okay. St. Joseph's School, um, and then from there I went to Zabarian Brothers High School in Westwood, and then I went to Boston University for college. So I'm kind of okay. Boston born and bred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in seminary and in college, I started to travel around a little more, but here I am back home. So, yeah. okay. Yeah.
0: So you said in high school, was there something specific that happened or was it like a progression of, of life that drew you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there's some very specific things that okay. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, God's pretty amazing. I like to say he's like a sniper, you know, he kind of just like <laughs> pick me out. I feel like, yeah. I, you know, cause there's no other way. Like I can kind of say this rationally happens. Um, but going to a Catholic high school, um, a bunch of my friends started to go to a youth group called St. Mary's Life Teen in Dedham. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Familiar with it. Yep, <laughs> yep.
1: So they, um, and so my friends started to go. They started to invite me to join them for Mass mm-hmm. on Sundays, and my mom was going to make me go to Mass anyway. Uh, I went to an all-boys Catholic school, okay. and there were girls at the youth group, and my friends were there too. Okay. So it's kind of like, <laughs> well, I have to go to Mass anyway. might as well go yeah. <laughs> for the social reasons. Um, so that was kind of the beginning with just, purely for kind of social reasons and it was fun and it was good um but then during the retreats that they put on um, I began to experience um I didn't really know what but like especially during times of like adoration before the blessed sacrament I was like there's something going on here mm-hmm. you know and that's what kind of kept drawing me back in um but then there were like a kind of a few specific things that like kind of really um uh I don't know, Convince me or maybe go all okay, in. Yeah. So I can share with that a little bit. Yeah, if that you're would like, be great if yeah, you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Um, so first of all, like I wasn't, originally I wasn't going to get confirmed. Like my parents weren't going to make me, I didn't really um, desire to, I okay. guess. Yeah. Um, I didn't really agree with church teachings on several things. And I was like, well, I don't want to be hypocritical. Why would I commit to this if I don't really mm-hmm. feel like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but going into my junior year of high school during the summer, I went on a Steubenville conference. Okay. Uh, so Franciscan University runs these conferences and I went to Steubenville East. And so the experience was like 4,000 high school kids, uh, over the course of a week. Um, and I remember at night we'd be praying in this like huge tent outdoors kind of things. And they would have praise and worship music and adoration. Um, And I was totally overwhelmed by the experience in a negative way at first. (laughs) I was like, um, so all these people, you know, were praying out loud and laughing and crying and having all these very emotional reactions. And first of all, I was like, this is weird. Um, And then secondly, I was like kind of angry because I felt like they were making it up. Mm. Like they were just kind of faking this reaction. and but then, like the thought, kind of the thought came to mind. Like, okay, well, why am I here? All right, I'm here to kind of pray. So just forget about everyone else, and I'm just going to pray and not worry about whatever all, all that's going on. And as soon as I kind of forgot about everyone else and started to pray, uh, I uh, I began to ball my eyes out. Like yeah. I started to cry, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't like I was sad going into it. But all of a sudden, like, it felt like everything that I had done, either I'd done wrong or, like, bad things that had happened to me felt like it was just kind of, like, coming up and out of my Mm -hmm. eyes. And so I was, like, crying for about half an hour. Wow. (laughs) And after that, I began to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't like anything was funny, but suddenly, like, it felt like the sadness was gone. Mm -hmm. And there was just, like, this sense of joy afterwards. So that was like a very powerful experience I had. I was trying to make sense of it. I'm like, am I part of a cult? So like, yeah. Am I? is this just like my brain chemistry doing weird things? Yeah. Um, but ultimately I couldn't deny that it was an experience of God's love. Mm-hmm. And if God's love was there, like then he has to be there too. Like mm-hmm. there was something real there. And I couldn't, I couldn't deny that. I couldn't explain that, uh, that feeling that I had. um, so after that experience, a few weeks later was World Youth Day in Cologne, Germany, okay. 2005.
0: Okay. Um, and how old were you at this point?
1: So I, this was still going like going into junior year of high school. Okay. So I was 16, 17, okay. right around there. And uh, so I went to World Youth Day in Cologne, Germany. And um, for me, that really opened up my... Um, worldview my understanding of the catholic church because before it was like okay my parish and my high school is catholic and my youth group but now i was seeing like the universal church Mm -hmm. people from all over the world um many different languages and we just like took over a city for a week a million young catholics like just like waving flags and singing songs and Mm -hmm. i'm just like oh this is awesome this is cool yeah um so from those two experiences i was like I don't. I still don't totally agree with like everything the church says, but there's something here, um, and I want to see where that leads me. And I, so, I want to pursue this and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what led me to get confirmed, or a desire to get confirmed. And on that vocation, not that vocation, that a confirmation retreat. Um, I had another powerful experience, kind of in the sacrament of confession, like okay. freeing me from like some. Like sins and addictions and things that I was struggling with, mm-hmm. and I hadn't been able to kind of stop on my own. But then after that, sac- that confession, like suddenly I felt a lot of freedom. Um, so those were kind of like three things that happened in the course of like, you know, two three months basically. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, this is real. You know, God loves me. Like yeah. it has the power to change my life. Yeah. And so I was kind of. I guess all in after that so that's yeah. what really kind of set me off on my faith okay
0: right. that's awesome so when was it then that you felt like you got this call to be a priest or when did those start thoughts start entering in your mind
1: yeah so I guess the thoughts started before the call <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. um, I was definitely kind of running away from it at first um, so the next year as a senior in high school we were on a retreat uh, I was on like feeling retreat high feeling great you know Mm -hmm. and they asked the question you know what are you willing to offer god what are you willing to give him and i heard um i I kind of so and my response to this question was yeah god whatever you want you know (laughs) like i'll offer you everything this is great sure you know whatever you want uh and then i had the thought or you know the voice kind of kind of say to me like well what about your future you know what about your girlfriend um, it wasn't so much of a call, but it was just like, are you willing to offer me these things? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I promptly said, "Like, whoa, like, let's slow things yeah. down, God. Let's run yeah. away. Uh, I wanted to run away from it, and I just kind of like put the brakes and just backed mm-hmm. off. Fast forward a year in college, went to Boston University, and at the time, the campus ministers were the brotherhood of hope. Okay, um, yes, yeah. we had
0: a guest on that was from the Brotherhood. Oh, but, really? Yeah. Do you
1: remember who it was? Brother it, Logan. Brother Logan. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was at his Perpetual Vows. Okay, nice. Um, back in January. Nice. Okay. And we we were the same year in college and we knew each other from like a mission trip that the oh, awesome. did and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. It's a small
0: Catholic world. It <laughs> is, yeah, we're good friends. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but getting to see their community in action, like the. Um, gotta. To, it really was specifically um, a, like an alternative spring break type experience uh, mm-hmm. that they were hosting. So we lived with them in Somerville um, and at their house, their community, where their community was. And then we went to South Boston and ran like confirmation retreats, like just parish mission type stuff, things with the school and the kids. Okay. And, um so through so that experience of living with them, seeing their community, praying with them, doing the work that they did, I began to see, like, this is a good life. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see myself doing this. This mm-hmm. is real and this is awesome. So I'm not really good at keeping secrets. <laughs> 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 uh, so I, well, I, I'm not good at lying, I would okay. say. <laughs> I, can, I can hold on to things, but I'm not good at lying. And so, but my girlfriend in three years... You know, she's like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. So I was like, well, I'm kind of thinking about maybe religious life. And she was not too keen on yeah. that idea. So seeing how upset she was, I began to just run away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I was like, I'm just making this feeling up. It's not real. But then the next year, so it's kind of God gives me a break for a year (laughs) and it comes back again. (laughs) So then sophomore year of college, uh, one of the brothers, Father Paul, was preaching a homily on 1 Corinthians 7, where St. Paul gives the advice for those who can remain celibate for the sake of the kingdom, they should do so. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I could do that. (laughs) Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So I spoke with one of the brothers and I said, I think I could do that. What does that mean? And he's like, well, it kind of means what it says. Yeah. <laughs> but at the very least, you should pray about it and should ask God, is, is this what he's calling you to? This kind of celibate relationship mm-hmm. with him. So I began a more formal process, I would say, of discernment okay. at that point. I was kind of mm-hmm. like, I got to stop running away from this. Yeah. Um, and he kind of led me through a series of... Uh, like about three months of like everyday prayer and reflection kind of going really deep and asking these questions about what is God calling me to do with my life. And, um, kind of very, a lot of that was the inspiration for this Shib vocations discernment video series I've been working on. We'll have to talk about it later. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, through that I began to see, I felt the most peace in times of prayer. And I felt the most joy in times of service, especially in the church. And I began to hear God's voice speaking to me, uh, inviting me to like give myself to him in a way that I wouldn't have been able to give myself to a wife and a family in the way that they would deserve. Mm-hmm. Like that a wife and children have certain rights, in, you know, to a father and a husband that I felt like I couldn't give myself totally to To both, okay. Um, just being one person, and so, um, that was kind of, I guess, the beginning of this, Mm -hmm. this sense of like, uh, called the celibacy, really.
0: Okay. um, Yeah.
1: Before a call to the priesthood, um, so we ended up breaking up. It -hmm. was four years at that point. Yeah. Which at twenty years old, yeah, Yeah. it was really hard. It was Mm -hmm. twenty percent of my life. You know, that was uh, that was. Uh, yeah, twenty percent of my life. That was the hardest decision I was had to make at that okay. point, but received a lot of peace and consolation afterwards. That that was the right decision, um, and be, and God began to show me that He could satisfy those desires for a relationship right. that I had.
0: Right. So you said that you were kind of, you kind of first had those feelings when you were introduced to the Brotherhood of Hope. So what made you decide? Um mm. Between like a religious community and diocesan.
1: Yeah, no great question. So I I kind of presume presumed religious life. Okay. you know that was kind of I as you said, I ex- kind of felt this draw through the Brotherhood of Hope. I felt a strong attraction to the evangelical councils, mm-hmm. the poverty testing, you know, obedience, just that radical giving of oneself to God. I felt um, I had always come and grown come to my faith and grown in my faith through community. Okay. So these were all things that I was like, religious life, it's got to be a religious life. Mm-hmm. And that was, that part of the discernment was probably the longest lasting. So kind of went over the course of several years, really. Um, so to share maybe a few stories that kind of helped with that process. Yeah. Um, so I, I did discern with the Brother of okay. I was, um Kind of a aspirant, postulant kind of thing, you know, where I was very loosely affiliated. So mm-hmm. I'd go and visit them uh, periodically. Periodically, just getting to know the community and their life, um, and that was during college. Um, throughout my kind of junior year, so vocation in a way kind of took a back burner after uh, recognizing this call to celibacy, and now I was just like, well, I'll just get to know the brotherhood, and I wasn't so much like. Wrestling with it every day, but it was just kind of like slowly right. trying to grow in mm-hmm. it um, So after the after, after junior year kind of that experience um, and still very much admiring it I Lived in like a summer men's house Okay. So it was like three of the brothers and a group of college guys. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> For like six weeks during the summer, kind of living together. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of wild stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't I, I know. <laughs> 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 it would be too long. Uh, um, but it was great. It was really awesome. And so at the end of that, uh, doing kind of a, a three day A nation discernment retreat, like over the weekend, to kind of ask this question very specifically: Am I called to join the Brotherhood of Hope or not? Because I think just as a general advice for people, a lot of times people kind of just shop around in their vocation. Mm -hmm. They just try to look at all the options, and that leads to like paralysis Mm -hmm. because they don't know where to go. I think it's much, it's it's better to kind of take concrete steps towards something that they have an inclination towards and their experience of, and then God will kind of rule that out, you know, mm-hmm. if it's not that, mm-hmm. and then to like, look at what is the next, What is, well, so what is God actually calling me to? Mm-hmm. So the very specific question was mm-hmm. like, am I called to the brother of hope? I'll discern that question. If it's yes, I go forward. If it's no, I got to figure things out. Mm-hmm. So with that question in mind, uh, The fruits from that retreat were that I felt called to the priesthood um, through desiring having a strong attraction for the sacraments and to be a minister of them, yeah, you know, especially the Eucharist and confession. Um, I felt called to and the the Brotherhood of Hope, they they weren't ordaining more priests at that point, they had a few priests, but they wanted to be a community of brothers, Uh, so that kind of really (laughs) rolled that out very clearly, yeah. (laughs) Um, but also I felt um, a heart to be like a shepherd, you know, and to be like a father. Uh, and the way some of the brothers spoke about their role is like if the priest is called to be a shepherd, a brother is to be like the sheepdog, okay. you know, okay. that's okay. kind yeah. of among the sheep yeah. and rounding them up and like yeah. bringing them back to the shepherd, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, that's a good analogy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was awesome. But I definitely felt called to be more like the role of the shepherd and a father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt um, also called to, in a way, like, the backbone of the church, um, like, religious orders are a great gift to the church, they bring life, they bring, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of, um, bring a spirit to, to everything, uh, but I felt called to, in a way, the, I would say the backbone, like, the, hi- the hierarchy is, in a sense, but, like, the way the church is organized is through, like, diocese and parishes, yeah. and that's, like, the structure and the yeah. backbone of things and so in a way i couldn't quite explain but i felt drawn towards that
0: mm-hmm.
1: also part of this Ignatian of retreat was um, contemplating like at the end of life you know how would i have wanted to have lived like mm-hmm. imagining myself yeah. on my deathbed imagine myself appearing before god and what would i want to offer and so at the end of it, so I, was, I took it very literally, I was imagining myself on my deathbed. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, a little morbid, but... <laughs> I was imagining myself on my deathbed, and the way I would have cast the scene, uh, the way I was expecting it to go, was, like, being surrounded by, like, a religious community of, like, brothers and priests and, like, whoever else, like, surrounding me. Um, but in reality, what I saw was everyone else you know it was kind of like the lay people and everyone in the church you know um and so that wasn't what I was expecting but I kind of took that as a sign from God as well so those kinds of things were enough to convince me that I should pursue the Dawson priesthood okay. for Boston yeah um and so by the end of my senior year of college that next year I um And there's actually a few other stories too, but that's enough for now. (laughs) But that's what led me to enter seminary, even though while I was in seminary, it was still a question I was dealing with a little bit.
0: Yeah. Okay. So where have you been assigned? Good question. I can't keep a job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I I studied, I did my theology in Rome. So I went to St. John's Seminary for my philosophy two Uh years there. And then I did my theology in Rome and, um, Part of that was getting a degree in Scripture so after I was ordained I still had one year to finish that degree okay so I was ordained and then my first my first assignment was for a summer just a summer assignment in Whitman and Abington down south of Boston near Brockton uh, which was a great summer but then back to school <laughs> uh, and I was in Rome and I and I actually got to go to Jerusalem for a semester oh nice um, okay. which is really awesome to study mm-hmm. there it was really cool um, mm-hmm. And then, so that was, I guess, was my first full assignment. And then I came back and I was assigned to Arlington, um, St. Agnes, and St. Camillus Parishes. And so I was there for about a year. And then I got assigned to the vocations office and to teach scripture at the seminary. Okay. Um yeah, so, so I can't keep a job. <laughs> I've been almost four years ordained, and I've had, like, I don't know how many assignments. Okay, yeah. okay.
0: Well, that means you're valuable, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, so they really don't know what to do it with me. Yeah, I wanted to, yeah.
0: So did you take any classes at um, BC while you are at St. John's? No. So
1: I did, actually, yeah. Um, so I was, I was there for pre-theology, which the focus is on, like, philosophy for the mm-hmm. most part, um, some catechesis and some other things, but you don't really take theology courses or scripture per se, but I did take Portuguese actually okay. while I was there. So that was the, uh, and I took a tennis lesson too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a friend who was really good at tennis and we would play and they were offering some cheap tennis classes. So we were like, Hey, what the heck? Why not? So that was fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Portuguese, I took a year of Portuguese while there.
0: Okay. So you said your mom was Polish and Irish, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, couple generations but okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
0: how did she receive the news when you said, "Hey mom, I think I might want to be a priest?"
1: Yeah. That's a good <laughs> question. So I, you know, I didn't I was very uh, careful about who I spoke about my vocation mm-hmm. with. I didn't I didn't really want much like outside in Influence I mean, in a decision. sense. Yeah, yeah, like I wanted it to be from God, you know, yeah. I wanted to hear his mm-hmm. voice very clearly mm-hmm. um, so I really was only speaking about it with uh, my spiritual director who okay. was one of the brothers and You know that was that was about it for that very initial period
0: mm-hmm.
1: Later on when I was so said was like sophomore year of college junior year, you know Some of the men that I lived with we had like a man cave mm-hmm. a group of Catholic guys living together uh, I went on a vocations discernment retreat and invited a bunch of them so that, like, we were all kind of, like, thinking about this together. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, one of them is, you know, he was my sweet mate, and uh, he's a priest now also, uh, my good friend's father, John Gankars. So okay. he's down in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, so that was, and then, yeah, so then my senior year, as I began to apply, I began to tell more people about it, including my family. Now, they weren't totally surprised that I was thinking okay. about it. You know, yeah. there were, nobody, most people were shocked that anyone would become a priest, mm-hmm. but not so much that I was thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mom, her initial reaction was, uh, well, maybe you should like work a little more, date a little more to like experience life and think about it. Uh, and she was very concerned just about priests being lonely, um, mm-hmm. you know, having gone through the abuse crisis in Boston, a lot of bad press, you know, for the church and for priests, uh, not cast in the most positive light. Like that's what was on her mind. And she was like very worried I was gonna be, I was gonna suffer, you know, because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told her, you know, like, mom, I've been thinking about this kind of like very intensively for th- about three years now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and so, you know, she, she ended up supporting me. And over time, while in seminary, she, she really grew to like the idea of having a priest in the family. Uh, my dad, who was not not Catholic, not practicing, um, Protestant, um, he was more just like, oh, whatever makes you happy, yeah, <laughs> you know, go yeah, for it, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was, I would say, more just like kind of generally like, yeah, sure, go for it. Um, and, you yeah, know, they both tell me they're, you know, they're very proud of me now. Um, so I think that's an experience for a lot of, um men and women who are pursuing religious vocation is mm-hmm. one of the biggest obstacles is actually their parents um who don't yeah. want them to do it that's something i've experienced in the vocations office is working with mm-hmm. uh, men but usually while in seminary and especially later on like they really um open up to it and sometimes it's a long long process and it can be painful but um they begin to see like no, they haven't totally lost their child. Um, Right. And now they can actually see their child, like, truly happy, you know, doing God's will.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, so you had mentioned um, something about a video series, and remind me how to pronounce it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the the name of the video series is called Xivias. Okay, okay.
0: So you're doing that with the vocations office for the archdiocese? Yeah, exactly.
1: Kind of, I began to think of this idea as, shortly after entering the office Mm -hmm. recognizing like um maybe men and women want to know god's will for their life but they don't know where to begin Mm -hmm. they don't have someone to kind of walk them through the process there are books on discernment of spirits there's plenty of vocation stories but like how do i go about this right so wanting to provide people with resources and then finally last year kind of during lockdown the pandemic having time to kind of like put pen to paper and start to make it okay. happen,
0: yeah. And that's kind of how this got started, too, because I've been wanting to do like a vocations podcast yeah. in general for a couple of years, but it wasn't till like everything stopped, yeah, and we yeah. didn't have any time that the idea kind of came back to me. Oh, awesome! So I was really excited to hear about this. So, could you tell me a little bit more about like your plan with all of it and like how many videos are in the series and yeah. stuff like that?
1: So, I wrote the script for it back uh, last year almost a whole year ago. And it really was just two or three weeks of writing. But there's 27 episodes. Okay. Um, each one is only about five minutes in length. So it's, like, very mm-hmm. accessible as well, mm-hmm. but also very thorough. Um, and it's, it's a vocational discernment guide. So it's helping people yeah, come to know God's will for their life. And it's based, I'm the one hosting it. Uh, I'm, telling, I'm giving advice. And I'm illustrating it with stories from my own vocation and discernment. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is kind of incarnational in that way. You get to see the people and the places that were instrumental for me. And hopefully that helps people see like, oh, God has a plan for me too. Mm -hmm. And like he's speaking to me in my life. um, I'm beginning to see that. Uh, The general structure for the 27 episodes, because I'm like, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) is It's broken up into three parts. And... Uh, so nine episodes a piece and it, it kind of the first two parts really come actually from the virtue of chastity Okay, like the way the catechism talks about chastity is um, t- That involves integrity of self leading to integrality of a gift of the of gift of oneself so the first nine episodes are all about how can I come to know what's in my heart and to achieve a certain amount of freedom and self-mastery over myself so I'm not divided, I'm not split up within mm-hmm. my, like, my desires and intentions, but entrusting mm-hmm. them to God so that, too, I can, and this is the second part of the series, make a complete gift of myself, um, like, whole, undivided integrality of the gift. Um, and then the last part is, like, how that it is more specifically about the priesthood, and how that's fulfilled through that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So does it go in detail, like, what you experienced in terms of, like, helping discern between religious life and diocesan?
1: Yeah, that it? comes okay. that comes later on, um, yeah. kind of with the questions of, like, what is religious life, you yeah. know, versus what is distinct with the diocesan priesthood. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I explain a bit of my story of how I kind of sorted these things out um, and what are unique between them. Um, so that's one of the like, later episodes, and, um, uh, but, yeah, it kind of gets into all sorts of questions, like, all right, well, why not deacon, become a deacon versus becoming a priest, mm-hmm. or, uh, well, marriage or priesthood, you know, celibacy versus marriage, or, um, so it is a very thorough path to yeah. lean went through, uh, but starting with this, like, how, how can I, how can I know what I'm supposed to do with my life yeah. if I don't know who I am, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot, I think it's really important for our, our time in particular because we get caught up with the externals yeah. and we have all these questions, but then we fail to really look, look inward and to see how like, God is speaking to my heart and what are my fears that are holding me back? Like, what are the hopes and desires that I have that maybe I'm attached to? And I need to like trust God with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the first nine episodes are like kind of really in depth of just like trying to achieve a greater freedom within my own heart to say yes to what God is asking me.
0: Yeah. And so now the um the way you guys are releasing it, you haven't released all of them yet, right? You're doing it over a period of time.
1: Yep. yep. Yeah, so we're um, as I mentioned, all, all the episodes are written. We filmed most of them mm-hmm. as well. We have a few things to touch up, but kind of editing and releasing them uh they'll be released for now week by week we hope to get to a point where we're doing two at a time okay um but some of the episodes are already done and if people want early access (laughs) they can go to vocationsboston.org okay and there's an email list to sign up to to get access to videos as soon as they're done rather than have to wait week by week and then also there's a a guidebook that kind of accompanies it to like Go deeper within each episode to ask those questions and to pray about things in a deeper way. So, if somebody's really serious about wanting to know God's will, mm-hmm. the guidebook is like really key for that. So, that's on vocationsboston.org. Um, or they we'll can... share a link, awesome, yeah, please do. Thank yeah. you. And uh, otherwise, it's on our Facebook um, page and YouTube channel, okay. For Vocations Boston. okay. Yeah.
0: So, one more question before we wrap up How sure. has the reception been so far?
1: <laughs> it's been pretty cool. So, we yeah. just released. Uh, April 13th uh, tu- on a Tuesday. And uh, um, already, like, I've been contacted for like interviews with like EWTN. Oh,
0: that's so awesome. Like,
1: nightly news. We got you
0: here first. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Rome Reports, uh, a bunch of radio and podcasts. And um, so I think people are really looking for this. It is very novel and unique. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's kind of exciting to see the hype for it and mm-hmm. then people already responding saying like oh this has been helpful like even yeah. the people who are involved with like the filming of it mm-hmm. they were kind of like oh this is good stuff like this is helping me in my vocation even though it's not the priesthood you yeah. Know? yeah
0: yeah yeah and I think it's so important like you said because there's already content on this like in books and stuff like that but we have to use media now because that's so accessible to everyone now. Yeah. You know, that's the way people are communicating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We wanted to yeah. make it beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the name Shivias comes from St. Hildegard von Bingen, actually a, a work, uh, a title, a, a title of one of her works and, um, she's a doctor of the church, mm-hmm. um, but she teaches what we say in like the Via Pocritudinis, the way of beauty. And so she's had mystical visions that have inspired artwork. She composed many chants that we actually use in the videos and we use a lot of really awesome cinematography Mm -hmm. um the trailer is pretty epic the trailer is awesome (laughs) yeah Yeah. so definitely check that out um and so we want to make the videos like not just helpful advice and stories and things but like really beautiful to watch so that we're inspired by the beauty of doing god's will. you know like it is a beautiful thing to entrust our lives Mm -hmm. to god and we want to like show that as well
0: yeah yeah that's so true that's so true. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you today. for the invitation. It was yeah. awesome to be here. Remember us when you're famous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you as well. I go the other way around too. You know? <laughs> awesome.
0: Well, thank you guys for joining us today. We hope you like, follow, and subscribe to our YouTube and Instagram. We'll see you on the next one. God bless.
1: God bless.